presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 225, The Challenges and Rewards of Becoming a Flight Instructor with Victoria Neuville. Coming up next in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Neuville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felton, and Carl Valeri. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. You know, today we have a really special interview and a guest who happens to be our co-host, and that's Victoria Neuville. Victoria recently passed her CFI checkride and is joining us to discuss the challenges and rewards of becoming a flight instructor. What's really interesting is I was looking back at the episodes, and it was Oh, about eight years ago when Victoria talked about getting her commercial pilot certificate and there's been many challenges in her flying career and her flying life since then. And we're going to kind of go through some of those. And I really, when I talk about persistence and perseverance, uh, she actually is the person that epitomized that. So Victoria, welcome. Thank you very much, Carl. And I'm blushing over here. You can't tell. But <laughs> well, it's not video. And, but, I'm, you know, it's really, I was just thinking about this is so cool that we're, we're interviewing you about your CFI and the challenges. And, and, you know, so many people have listened over the years to your, you know, evolving from flying, instructing, having challenges with the medical, uh, you know, working in insurance, doing the air shows and doing things with the women in aviation and and just there's so many cool things that have happened in your life and it's really cool when I look back at the path you've taken uh, what's interesting is that path has just been so incredibly varied but uh, diverse and a lot of fun I'm sure oh definitely I I wouldn't change a thing you know even though I wanted to be a CFI way way before all this and I imagined things going differently I'm I'm really glad for the little life lessons along the way and what it's taught me. So I think it'll actually make me a better instructor because I'm very relatable if people have some of the ups and downs that I faced. And, um, you know, kind of one of those everything happens for a reason. And, uh, yeah, I truly believe that. Well, you know, what's really cool is that you're relatable in that everybody has challenges no matter what they do in life uh, the CFI being one of them it's incredibly challenging but everything in their flying life and and you're a great testament to that and I think there's there's so many people and this is what I, I really love about having you on the show so many people that that can learn from your experiences and also be inspired about you what you've done um, but before we get started with that story I really want to get talking with uh, who's our other co-host today and that's Tom Frick hey Tom how you doing buddy welcome back to the podcast today Hey, Carl, how's it going? Victoria, how you doing? And congratulations. Hey Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it, Tom, to be a flight instructor? It is. It was like one of the hardest things I've ever done and one of the most gratifying things. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we get started, another one of our co-hosts that is on is uh, Russ Wozleski. Oh, wait a minute. Russ is, oh, no, he's not here. He's in... He's in Bucolic, New Jersey, actually. and or No, actually, he says he's trying to find Bucolic, New Jersey. Russ was actually up flying around in the Teterboro area. He sent me a text and couldn't make it onto the microphone because he's still searching for Bucolic, New Jersey. Well, Russ, keep on looking. I know it's, it's not near Teterboro. Just go a little bit west where there's some trees. But if anybody's ever flown into Teterboro, it is a really, really cool airport to fly into because it's very challenging. And he was up there, I think there was uh, during the day when the, the Jets and the Giants were, were playing. I was up there the same day, and it was really fascinating to see the parking lot from the air. It was just a sea of cars and just really cool. Um, but, yeah, sorry uh, that Russ won't make it. And 
Uh, but he did text me and say that he will keep looking for Bucolic, New Jersey. And by the way, it's not a town. So <laughs> that's a that's a dig on our friend uh, Eric Crump, who couldn't make it this evening. Uh, and uh, hopefully he'll be back on shortly because he's been really missing the show. And uh, but just been involved. You know, he's hitting it out of the park. He's really gotten involved in collegiate aviation. And one of the things he just did. Uh, recently, along with uh, Adam Abouid, who's in charge of the dispatch program over at Polk State College, they're one of the first state schools to have an actual dispatch program, and they just started that up. So hats off to Eric. He's been doing some wonderful things, not only just getting this college program off the ground, but building it from nothing to over 300 students this semester. So that's, that's really a great job there. Uh, but before we get started, also a quick word from our sponsor. Do you want to pursue a career in aviation as a pilot, air traffic controller, mechanic, or dispatcher? Or do you just want to earn that commercial or instrument rating, but you need help paying for it? The Aerospace Scholarships Guide at AviationCareersPodcast.com has over $50 million in available scholarships. Many of these go unused because people don't apply for them. For just $10, you'll receive a full-year subscription to the guide, which is updated monthly. Every scholarship is personally verified to make sure it's accurate and still available. More information is at AviationCareersPodcast.com. And now for some news and announcements. Don't forget that tomorrow... Uh, I, I'm actually, this is coming out on the 15th. Tomorrow I will be at the Deland Sports Showcase, and that is uh, a really cool show about affordable aviation, about sport flying, and I th- Tom will be there, Tom Frick will be, Roy Brewer will be there. Uh, there will be also a live Facebook Live that's going to be out on the, um, we can follow that with uh Let's see. That would be uh, who else? Oh, Michael McClellan will be there. He's actually doing the air show announcing. He's not. I don't think he's doing so much of the live stuff, but he's doing some of the air show announcing. And uh, and of course, our friend Dave Shalbetter is actually running all the live, the Facebook live for the Deland Sport Aviation Showcase. So check it out on Facebook because that's where you'll be able to to stream it. We'll do a link on here, but just look on Facebook for the Land Sport Aviation Showcase. That'll be a lot of fun. The other thing, too, I uh, as a lot of you know, I coach a flight team, a college flight team, and we just had our regional competition here in Lakeland, Florida. We're actually going to have it here again next year, hosted by the Aerospace Center for Excellence. And the Aerospace Center for Excellence is what many people knew before as Sun and Fun. Sun and Fun recently changed their name, as many of you have seen in the news. Sun and Fun is just is the air show run by the Aerospace Center for Excellence. And the Aerospace Center for Excellence includes all these different activities uh, for people that are interested in aviation as uh, folks in college, high school, all different levels. And it encompasses many of their scholarship programs, et cetera. So that's kind of why they changed that. They didn't want to just be associated with, with simply the air show, although the air show is a very big and key and part of this community here in Central Florida. It is the largest expo in the state of Florida. So hopefully we definitely will see you there uh, next year. We'll be reporting live. But the Land Sport Aviation Showcase, we'll have a couple of the interviews on the next episode. We're going to, both Tom and I will be out there doing some interviews. Roy Brewer and uh, Michael McClellan, hopefully we'll get out there and and get some interviews so that you can hear them. But of course, go check it out on Facebook. Now entering cruise flight. So on to the show. And uh, one of the things that really has been, this is kind of like one of my favorite shows in that I get to talk to somebody who I've been able to see and and really watch along the internet, but also in person, who's developed over the years in their aviation career. Uh, together, both Victoria and I have uh, done many episodes, both in person and obviously over the internet. And it's been just a pleasure having you know Victoria as a friend and also a co-host. But I think one of the things that's really evolved with you, Victoria, is the fact that you've become someone who's inspiring other aviators of all ages. Uh, saw that at Sun and Fun with that young girl who came up to you, and it it really it, it made me realize that you know with this show and and you yourself are making a difference in people's lives, and that's really kind of what we're about here is is trying to pay it forward either by inspiring others uh, or just by simply entertaining. But I think that's really, really important. So that's one of probably the, the one biggest thing that I, I've really been proud to have, Victoria, have you on the show is because of that fact is that uh, not only have you met many challenges in your career and in your life in aviation, but you've also turned those around and also inspired many people. So again, 
first of all, congratulations on your new certified flight instructor certificate. Thank you. I definitely don't see myself as an inspiration, honestly. I'm just always striving to um, reach certain goals. But, you know, that's good to hear that people are inspired by it because I would never want to discourage anyone. And I'm glad that I can kind of set an example. And if I can do it, I mean, anyone can do it because this was it, it was very hard and it was a lot of work and it's been a long, long road. You know, I attempted to do this many years ago and it hadn't happened. Um, and I'm glad it did now for the at the time it did. And I hope other people follow in my footsteps. And I'm definitely happy to share anything I learned around the way along the way with um, becoming a flight instructor. So going back, Victoria, you mentioned it's it's a long journey. So I guess one of the questions I've had in my mind is, you know, why why did uh, why do you want to become a CFI? I have always well, actually, that's changed. I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack. That's changed. Why? Um, back in the day, when I was first starting my flying and from private to instrument to commercial, the goal was to work my way up to fly for a living. And along the way, that changed. And now flying is an expensive hobby, <laughs> a very expensive hobby of mine. Um, but I really enjoy sharing it with others. And I was thinking, you know, we have I have the Turbo the Flying Dog books. So, yeah, like four to six-year-olds are reading these books and are inspired to enter aviation. But what do I do with them after they've grown up? from these books and I don't have anything else to like send them book wise. How can I help them get involved in aviation? Well, I could give them a discovery flight. I could give them their intro. Um, you know, what if I meet some young lady that's really interested in aviation, but doesn't know how to get started. You know, I can give her her first few lessons, um, just give her a taste of what it's like. And if it's something she wants to pursue and, give them that boost. So it's really changed from, hey, I want this for a career. A CFI is going to be the way you do that because we all know that's how a lot of um, people gain hours to go into the airlines to now it's a way that I can share aviation with others more and have a little bit more credibility when I do it. So I could fly someone as I was with a commercial pilot, no problem, and take them for a flight. But I think it's kind of something special to do it from the right seat, let them sit in the left seat, you know, sign their logbook, have them take the controls um, more so than I would have, you know, when we just let them hand it straight and level. I can actually teach someone and encourage someone. So, uh, yeah, it's over the past, what, I got my commercial eight years ago, nine years ago. So it's it's just really evolved. So you're really becoming more of a, a part of their life moving forward uh, in a very significant way in that you're reaching out and touching their lives. But also as, as an instructor, you know, even on this podcast, uh, speaking from, you know, a lot more experience now that you have that and you have the background of the CFI, but... Uh, interestingly enough, we always say we have people from many different backgrounds. It seems that everybody on the podcast keeps getting their CFI, and <laughs> you being one of those. And I think that's yeah, terrific. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it, what better way to learn how to fly than actually to teach it? Oh, um, my goodness, yes. <laughs> but back up a little bit. I think going back to your commercial certificate, I know you, it, there was a challenge, I think. You remember, and I can't put the dates on this, but you had a challenge, I think, with uh, something to do with your eyes, a medical issue and then from there uh you had to move forward but and we're just struggling with where to go from here which i think a lot of people do and i think a lot of people don't realize you you are you have a career as a flight instructor it's not a full-time career and that's very important for people to to realize so kind of take us through some of those challenges i think a lot of people don't realize that you actually had that the the challenge with my eye mm -hmm. yeah um so in 2000 10, I was on the road to become a commercial pilot. And on August 4th, I went to oh, August 3rd, I went to the eye doctor just to get like new contacts. And they said, you need to see a retinal specialist immediately. I think you have a detached retina. I almost blew it off. And I'm glad I didn't because I went to the um, retinal specialist the next day. And um, 
they said you have a detached retina and then you have lots of holes in your other eyes. You need immediate surgery. And so I immediately had surgery on both my eyes and, you know, I asked the eye doctor, I was like, well, you know, do you think this will affect my aviation medical? And he said, um, he said, why do you want to fly for a living? And I said, yeah, I'm a pilot. I'm working on becoming commercial pilot. And he told me, I hope you have a backup. And that's when I realized how much aviation meant to me. Because once it's taken away from you, in that instant when someone says, oh, you're not going to get a medical, you can't be a commercial pilot, you know, you realize how much you really cared about something when it's taken away. But luckily, I was able to get a special issuance. And now I don't even have a special issuance anymore. I have a normal medical once again. Well, that's good. And that is something that many of us go through where we may have lost our medical. And it was nice hearing. It was great for you to relate that journey. And I know you have in past episodes. And that was before your commercial. I just realized that. And that is I think we all have those issues and and sometimes we're you know you think the world's coming down around you but there is you will go forward and like you said hopefully you have a backup plan and and you did actually I mean you're very much involved in aviation now in two sides on the flying side and also in the aviation insurance world and that part of it I is that where you got a lot of this inspiration? I was trying to figure that out in your past as far as just becoming a CFI. Was it from the insurance or was it even before that that you got inspired to actually become a, an instructor and become a commercial pilot? Um, you know, I'm not really sure. I've, I've always liked to share with people and I've always been told I'm a good teacher. So I think it was just a natural progression that I'd have to get it eventually. Um, I did get my commercial rating. Um, several months later after the whole eye debacle. And, um, but I then moved to Frederick, Maryland from Detroit, Michigan. And so everything got kind of put on hold with my, my life being uprooted, but it was always something in the back of my head that I, I knew I had to do. And, um, I just always had the tug towards it. And I flew with my ex husband for many years. We flew a lot, but I realized while flying with him, I actually got pretty rusty because I was sharing everything. And if something didn't look good, like the landing didn't look good, I'd just have him take it over because it was his plane and he had lots of hours in it and stuff. And I, I, de- I determined that I became really rusty because of that. And um, after we divorced, I didn't have enough money to go fly. And um, once I started getting current again and, you know, could afford flying again, I said, oh, you know what? the best way for me to really just get my butt in gear and become a proficient, good pilot again is to go for my CFI um, to kind of build my confidence up and that doubt over those years of not flying very actively. Um, And that's kind of how the CFI came to be this time around. I said, this is a great way to get something I've always wanted to do, but it's also a great way to get myself really current and flying Again, and then once I have my CFI, if something were to happen financially or whatever, I could still stay in the air by helping others learn to fly. So it was kind of like that little guarantee that aviation would always be part of my life. Boy, Victoria, I love that you said that. You know, if as a CFI, you can always get up there and make some money flying. And I think, and I always tell people that if you're ever thinking about, if you're a teacher and you love to teach, this is a perfect opportunity. If you love aviation and love teaching, please become a flight instructor. Uh, and that's one of the, the great aspects of it is that, yeah, you get to be you're paid when you're in the air. Or even if you're not paid, you're still going up and you're enjoying flying and you're not paying for it, which is absolutely terrific. At least you're in the air, and that's what's terrific. As far as when you got back into the, or you decided at that point, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to become a CFI. Then what? I mean, how did, did you like have a plan and did you move forward with that plan? And, and, you know, as far as cost, et cetera, how did that all work out? Oh my goodness. Well, in regards to the cost, I applied for a scholarship from Women in Aviation International and um, I earned it. And thank you for writing a wonderful letter of recommendation for that. <laughs> <laughs> easy so, to write. It was easy to write. That's for right? sure. Right. That, that was the biggest shocker. And, um, it paid for a very good portion of my training, and I don't think I would have pursued my training without that 
financial assistance. So um, that was just amazing. I can't thank women in aviation enough. Um, and they have thousands of dollars available to male and female applicants. Um, so definitely check out their scholarships. But in regards to my actual training, I didn't realize what I was in for. And I was like, oh, I'm going to train four times a week and get everything done in a month. And you know best laid plans. I started tearing into what I had to do and what how my flight instructor goes about training her CFIs and my get it done in one month turned it into a very exhausting seven months of training. Uh, wow. But I'm very thankful for the way it, it turned out. But it must have been very thorough training and sometimes spreading it out like that can be good. I mean, especially financially. Yes. Um, so the four times a week thing would... I think people can do that quick, like the two-week CFI course, things like that, Um, especially if they're straight out of their commercial rating. Everything's fresh in their mind. You know, the the written tests or the knowledge tests, sorry, are pretty darn close. Uh, You know all the commercial maneuvers. You're just moving it to the right seat. So it's really cool if you can afford to go directly from one rating to another. I think the CFI will be a lot easier for you in the long run if you go straight from commercial to CFI. But if you had a nine-year break like I did, um, I had to relearn all those commercial maneuvers and, you know, really dig deep into an understanding of all the different concepts because now I have to teach them so someone else understands them. And that requires a more thorough knowledge than it took before to get my private through commercial because I didn't have to teach it to someone else. I just had to know it and understand it in my mind. And so teaching it in different ways to make someone understand it, because everyone has different like learning personality, um, it, it required a lot of studying <laughs> and a lot of practice on people. Well, I'm glad you said that, because really uh, there's so many different ways to go about the CFI. And you know, I did the whole, you know, couple week course right afterwards. But sometimes I feel like the way you did it, you get uh, a much uh, greater depth of knowledge because of it taking a little bit longer. It seems like uh, instead of just making sure you have just the minimum requirements, it seems like you have not just the minimums but well beyond that. Which I think, I think probably maybe you found during your training. I was very over prepared for the check ride. Um, our DPs out here are very thorough for the CFI. They take it very seriously. And so um, what we did for the ground portion was I had to write a lesson plan for every single item in the PTS, uh, the practical test standards. And I had to write a lesson plan for each of them. And by writing that lesson plan, that's kind of how I studied and refreshed my my brain and my memory. And so once I wrote the lesson plan, I'd go into um, my ground lesson with my CFI and teach it to her. And then she would critique me or um, fix things or give me ideas of ways I could teach things differently. And sometimes she'd even bring in other CFI applicants and they'd pretend to be students. So um, that took from, I started in April and that took to June to June or July to get all the ground done. So I ended up going twice a week and probably four times a week I was working on those, just preparing the lesson plans. And then the other days I was studying them before I went in and practicing them before I had to perform them on my flight instructor. So that took several months to get through the whole entire PTS and uh, do my lesson plans. That's a lot of lesson plans. Wow. It was. And then I ended up having a eight-hour oral. So the the oral part of my check ride was eight hours long, but it didn't feel like it because the examiner is really cool, and he made it like a more of a discussion. But the fact that I was so overprepared, I didn't feel exhausted because I never even had to reference my books or my lesson plans that much. Um, it was only a few times that I looked stuff up in the far aim. So it was really, um, I was really glad I was so overprepared for that part. So being overprepared is some advice I think you would give to anybody for any Mm -hmm. check ride, but especially the CFI, um, you know, that, that whole getting the lessons plans together 
And I love that you did that because I, I've done that with a lot of my CFI students, and uh, some people don't like it, and they, they say this is just taking too long, but I think it's worth it. Because now you as a CFI... You can buy them, but oh, yes, how right. do you learn them otherwise? Yeah. Like, I think it's best to write it so it's in your words and, like, in the way you'd like to teach it, and I think it just makes it easier on you in the long run. At least, at least it did for me. I don't think I could have taken some commercial lesson plans and use them yeah i like how you did that though because you i mean you're physically making the lesson plan and there's mm-hmm. something involved cognitively that helps when you're making those lesson plans uh, which obviously has helped you and now now you have that going forward which is awesome um you know if you don't mind backing up just a second you had uh, we talked about the financing part of it it is expensive uh doing those quick courses it might even be cheaper in the long run if you put it all up at once uh, but most of us can't do that. So, you know, you did that over time, which is great. But I think there's something that's key here is that you, a lot of people think that getting these scholarships like you did, you have to be like a high school or a college student. Now, Victoria, we're not going to talk about your age, but you're, you're definitely you're not, not in college anymore, right? No, and it, it is true. You see a lot of scholarships that they're for high school or college students, but um, Women in Aviation International, and I'm sure your scholarship guide shows uh, ones that you don't have to be. So there there are quite a few available, and Women in Aviation lets you apply to, I believe, up to three at a time. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because, yeah, the majority of them are for younger folks, and maybe about half of them really. But they, you know, I think we get discouraged sometimes when we're looking. Just like I remember you going through that whole process and saying, oh, man, I don't know if I'm going to get this. And bam, you got it. It was like so exciting uh, when we heard about that, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, and to the more prepared you are, the less it's going to cost you. So the lesson plans, making that, doesn't cost me money. Studying at home doesn't cost me money. It's anytime I'm in the plane or with the flight instructor. So the more prepared I am in my head um, before going to the lesson, the more money I'm going to save. So if you can do as much as possible at home, chair fly, lesson plans, practicing things before you go spend the money, um, that can make a huge difference. So during this process, you actually had a day job, right? You you worked a full-time job? Yeah, and it was... (laughs) I, if I could redo it, I would have done it a different way. So I, um, I would get up at 5 a.m., walk the dog, and then get to the airport for a lesson at 7.30, and then go straight to work after the lesson. And sometimes I had to work late because it was summer, which is a busy time for us, and um, then go right home and study again. So that's why I was really, really exhausted over the summer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember us putting this podcast together and saying, oh, man, I have to study for this. And I think that's but what's different is now you, you seem a lot more relaxed, which is cool. Um, I am. And now it's on <laughs> it's on to teaching full time, which is, is kind of or part time, I should say. You still have the full time job. So mm-hmm. um, this is I'd like to touch on this a little bit is um, as a flight instructor. Now you have your CFI and you finished up. You're going to keep your full time job. What are from what you've seen, some of the opportunities of a part-time instructor? Well, you know, I will say that the second I became a CFI, so many people came out of the woodwork needing instructors. There is such a short um, uh, group of people to pull from right now. Like, we are, there is a pilot shortage, and especially for CFIs. So, I could take a job as a full-time CFI instantly if I wanted to. And I could have, or if I wanted to start, you know, my own little business, I had like seven people already reach out to me like, hey, hey, can you be my flight instructor? But I told these people, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm going to take on any primary students, get someone through a full entire rating because I just don't have the time because I work full time to do that for them. So I'd be happy to get someone started and then suggest them to go to a school that can commit more time to them. So I think I'm going to just kind of stick with flight reviews. I could do some discovery flights, help people out here and there when another instructor isn't available. But um, I I'd, I'd be, think I'd do someone a disservice if I wanted to help them out and do a full rating with them because it would just take too long if I just did it on weekends and, a, you know, an evening or two a week. 
I'm glad you recognize that. And I think uh, there are some instructors out there that do this part-time that I've noticed, uh, especially some of the schools I've worked with, is that they only take on a few students. Interestingly, when you work part-time, it seems the students show up more. In other words, they don't want to cancel because they know it's so hard to get into your schedule. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah. might be a, that might be a real bonus. But, but doing some of those flight reviews and all, that's really exciting. It's also exciting watching someone go from point A to point B. But I, I hear you. It's tough when you're, when you're working a full-time job and you have to do that. But it's, I, I really think that we, as, as, as pilots, and we want to make money in this field, of aviation, I think it's a great way to do it, is becoming a flight instructor, especially since we need so many of them. And uh, another thing you find is people gravitate it's at the flight school, and it's just the way life is, to the people that seem more experienced. And, uh, you know, someone who has been around for a while, who's not like the, the 18-year-old that just got their license, a lot of folks will gravitate towards that, just the way it is. And uh, not that the 18-year-old instructor isn't a great instructor. It's just, you know, marketing-wise, you sometimes have something in common. The other cool thing is that the fact that you're being a female, there's not quite as many female instructors out there. And there's, you know, some people have that reticence to go into flight schools. They see all these guys hanging out there, instructors, uh, and then they gravitate to someone who's a female. And say, hey, listen, here's somebody that I can talk to, because we are, we're finally pushing that edge. By the way, we're we're winding up seeing more and more people flying, uh, and that's something I didn't mention in my my competition. Our our top pilot at our school uh, was a female, and then I think the second pilot also, as far as the flying events were concerned. So it's really cool that that's happening. And here's someone like yourself that can actually move that forward, which I think is awesome. Uh, so with that said. I don't think, but I'm going to let you answer that question. Were there any challenges because of that uh, that you saw, maybe not yourself, but in general uh, going through this as a female? I'm, I'm, and I'm trying to think of it comparing to what it was like 20 or 30 years ago. Well, um, I will say I looked up the FAA stats, and I think they were like from 2018 or something, but there's 180,000 CFIs in the United States. And only 7,100 were female. Wow. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's incredible. Yeah. If I'm remembering those numbers, it's it's pretty darn close to that. So it is shocking how few CFIs are female. Um, My first flight instructor was a female. um, But then for various reasons, it didn't work out. And I didn't see another or meet a single female pilot since um, until I moved here to Frederick and joined the 99s and women in aviation. So, you know, I didn't see many of them and I didn't have anyone or to relate to. And I kind of just went to the flight school, trained and then left. Airport wasn't a community for me until I moved here. Um, But where I am now, the flight school I went to, Bravo Flight Training, is female ran. So it's, um, my good friend Brenda started it with one airplane and now she's got like 12 and two locations. So it is run by a female and she does have male and female instructors. And um, I would fly with any of them in an instant because you can tell when you walk in, it's a very feel good family type atmosphere. So um, it's nice. There's someone relatable to anyone when they walk in, which is really helpful. And you're seeing that more and more at flight schools throughout the nation. So I'm really excited Mm -hmm. about that. Uh, and that and that's cool because that's uh, I I think that's what we need to do, especially in this industry. We're we're moving the needle, which is awesome. Um, as far as becoming a flight instructor, there's a couple things that people need to do. I'm sure that's going to be a question of some folks. We talked about the new 18 year old minted flight instructor. That actually is the the minimum age to become a flight instructor. Um, but there's you know a couple other you know general things that you need to have. Now you. Uh, we didn't mention this, but you got your your airplane single engine uh, class category, right? Is that what you got? Yes. Categories, mm-hmm. airplane single. Okay, so you have your single engine airplane single engine. So that en- enables you to actually go out and flight instruct in an airplane single engine. As far as your your class, as far as your um, flight instructor certificate, that actually expires. Compared, and that's different than your pilot certificate. So every couple of years, you actually have to go out and and renew that. So that's really important. Mm-hmm. And a couple of ways you can do that is just by either going out and actually teaching, or you can actually take some of those certificates. Um, 
or those courses where you can actually renew your certificate, excuse me. Um, another thing, too, a lot of people don't realize that if you're somebody who's active as a teacher, you can uh, actually place out of what's called the Fundamentals of Instructing exam because there's a couple of written exams you have to do. Uh, in one's in a, a general uh, ground instructor certificate where you type of exam and the other one is what's called the fundamentals of instructing so that that aeronautical knowledge you're going to have to take but the one on the instruction you won't have to take if you're involved and i think it's seventh grade and up off the look yep here it is seventh grade level or above uh so that that's really important also you have to do all this stuff like take the do the practical tests and study for it but there's one really interesting thing that you have to do is um, obviously there's those other little things like 15 hours in uh, pilot and command and category and class, but you have to demonstrate, and this is kind of interesting, proficiency in stall awareness and spin and like spin entries and recoveries and stuff like that. Um, and you have to have that endorsement. So as far as that's concerned, where does someone go and get that? And how did you get that endorsement? So I actually got that endorsement back in 2010 when I was working on my commercial because I thought I was going to go right to my CFI. Um, so I went and did it again because I didn't want to show up with a nine-year-old endorsement. So I went and got a new one. Um, the important thing, too, with that is um, to uh, get the sign off that you're proficient, put that in there because, oh, my goodness, there's so many endorsements you need in the back of your logbook. Um, properly to take this check ride. So I think I had like seven different endorsements in the back of my logbook and the spin training being one of them because that is a part of the special emphasis areas in the PTS is just being really aware of stalls and spin situations. So um, you don't have to do the spin on your check ride. Um, but you do have to show that you've received proper training and, are aware of um, spin recovery and spin entry and all that fun stuff. During the check ride, the examiner can ask you to do it, but uh, that is very rare, especially since nowadays mm -hmm. there's a lot of airplanes that uh, they don't want you spinning for many reasons. You know, with all the electronic equipment, it's not as bad, but still, you know, the, uh, you really want to go up in an airplane that, that is meant for spins. And I think one of the cool things is, and this is what I recommend, is going out and grab a, somebody who's an aerobatic instructor and do some aerobatics while you're doing spins. Do some, you know, flat spins, inverted spins, that kind of thing. It's it's a whole bunch of fun. Um, so now, not only can you flight instruct, uh, another neat uh, uh, thing that you can do as an instructor, you can now go out to these seminars and you can start teaching as a ground instructor and do those on uh, and also help other instructors. So there's so many ways that you can actually make money and get involved. In your environment, in your airport environment, I know you talked about the flight school and some people coming up to you, but what other opportunities that, that you might see for somebody who's deciding that they might want to become a CFI and work part-time? Oh, my goodness. I mean, there's, there's so many opportunities just because of the pilot shortage right now. So, um you know, I definitely do my part to help and, you know, hey, do you want to study, buddy? I can help you through this. I'm actually helping a friend who's working on becoming a CFI right now. So I signed my first ground lesson logbook the other day for her, um, teaching her things. So I'm sure Tom has some stuff to say about, because you're an active CFI too, about, you know, what's it like at your airport and getting people in. Yeah, Tom, we actually haven't heard heard much, but uh, I know, Tom, you have a lot of opportunities, especially like with me, right? Absolutely. You know, and, and I, too, have gone from full-time CFI to a part-time CFI, and, um, you know, it's it's been different just trying to find, and, and Victoria's right, you know, people come out of the woodwork. Um, when they know that you have the, the, the CFI, they everybody needs help and there's um you know everybody's looking for a good cfi somebody they can relate to somebody that'll get in the plane with them so uh yeah the um i think the best um opportunities were just you know being at an airport anytime that i'm around other pilots and and they know that they find out that you're a CFI, you know, it's like they either need help, they have a friend that needs help, they have a plane, can you help me now, you know, and um, I too have, I've, I've had to learn 
to say no a lot of times just because I can't take all of the opportunities that come my way. And that is something that will continue to happen no matter what. I mean, we, you know, same thing at, at the airport I, uh, the other day when I had that issue with the airplane and uh, we became an air show. <laughs> one of the guys that was helping me out with the ops truck came by and says, hey, do you, would you want to do a flight review? And I'm like, sure. I said, but you want to go on that airplane with me? You, you're the guy that cleaned me up off the runway. He's like, oh, no, that'd be great. And I was like, okay. So you never know where you're going to find <laughs> your next student. It could be right after you make an emergency landing, and <laughs> which was in this case here. So they're all out there. And and one of the things I think is important, I know there's a shortage, right? But I feel uh, is that when you're an instructor, you're always an instructor. Like uh, Victoria, I mean, just – you go out and you can tell people you wear a shirt or whatever and say, you know, I'm into airplanes. You have a T-shirt that has uh, women in aviation, has an airport identified, has an AOPA shirt. Those are the ways I feel you can get customers and people that want to go up with you in an airplane. It's, and it's it's really not that hard to do. Um, but you, you're, it's easy for you because you're always out there in the aviation world. And I'm, I'm sure that you're going to be finding quite a few customers. Yeah, I don't think it's a problem because I think I'm pretty darn enthusiastic about it. <laughs> and I th- I think, you know, if you're a CFI that looks at it just as this is just a job, this is just money, and you don't enjoy it, I don't think you're going to have as easy of a time getting a bunch of clients. Because, you know, you want to be training with someone who's enthusiastic and excited for you and wants to see you succeed. If you just want to sit and look out the window while someone does pattern work, you know, you're not going to have as much success. Right. That's for sure. As far as uh, instructing, though, say doing some instrument instructing, you can actually do training uh, in an aircraft and be with somebody who's using a view-limiting device, etc. Even as a, as a private pilot, you can do that. Uh, you can conduct training, uh, but to conduct training now, say, towards your instrument rating, and for that to actually count towards an instrument rating, uh, you as an instructor need to get a specific uh, instrument instructor certificate. Um, and as far as that's going to, you know, endorsements and all and doing IPCs, et cetera, is this something that you might be interested in doing in the future is actually becoming an instrument instructor? Yeah, um, I have not been instrument current in a very long, embarrassing amount of time. Um, and I do mostly... VFR day, super pretty weather for fun flying right now. So it's not, um, there's no sense of urgency, but I feel like my CFII is a great way to get instrument current and then further my skills and ways I can help other people. So it, it is on the horizon, though I don't think it's anytime soon, even though I'm sure it would be easier to just go right into it. Um, I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. It's too much studying. And, and go have some fun with it. You know, and that's what mm-hmm. I, we want to see you do. That's for sure. One thing that you can do is go to a flight school and say, hey, I can I can help out. If you're listening right now and you're thinking of getting your CFI, and you may be a pilot with an airline, you may be somebody who's doing commercial, you don't have your CFI yet, um, it's a great thing to do. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the only thing is that you may find that you can't, instruct because of your limitations uh, from your company and you just have to just ask them hey do you mind if i go flight instructor i want to pay it forward i want the to help the next generation move forward with uh, flight training and a lot of times they'll say yes but you have to do that. as a matter of fact i just did that with the airline i fly for uh you know just about three days ago they finally gave me a certification to go forward and what you talked about uh, victoria is very true with the shortage when i mentioned uh, at the local flight school that you know, I'm, I'm eligible to actually work as a CFI and I could do like stage checks and stuff. And all of a sudden he's grabbing my hand and says, come with me. <laughs> you know, we, we could use anybody right now to do that type of stuff because they really need people to fill in and help out. Uh, it really is good. It's, it helps them with becoming like a scalable workforce where, you know, you put your name out there and say, hey, just give me a call. I'm available these days. If you need me to fill in, you have an instructor that's sick. There's just, there's a modicum of information out there. Is that there's so many opportunities and I think everybody should jump on it. And uh, 
And I think you can do it. I think that, that anybody who's listening right now can definitely do this and become a CFI. Uh, you know, you just have to go out there, get your flight instructor certificate, and and move forward in helping all these folks out there. It is tough. It's like one of the toughest ratings. You know, we talk about the ATP being really tough, but the CFI is, I feel, the toughest because of the oral exam. Like you talked about, eight-hour oral exam. That's mm-hmm. a lot. That's a whole And then I go had to go fly after it. Now, did you fly right after that, or did you? Yes. Oh, wow. I was <laughs> so exhausted. I actually ended up with a discontinuance. Um, it had to be discontinued because I came in to do the, we did all the, you know, different maneuver work we had to do, and then came back in to do um, landings, and there were maybe six other people in the pattern, and other people coming and going, and I <laughs> I got so frustrated and I was just so exhausted. I knew I wasn't flying my best. Like I was still within standards, but definitely wasn't best. And um, I had to do uh, two landings ended up having to be go arounds instructed by um, tower. Um, I had to do several 360s on downwind for spacing. Every time we requested a short approach for my power off 180, they ended up extending my downwind. And so it was just like, we, we called it a day and the, the DPE looked at me and he goes, oh my God, it was like someone was out to get you out there. He goes, I could see in your eyes, you were just done. And I was <laughs> like, I, I was, I was done. I was exhausted. It, and I was there for 11 and a half hours. Wow, eleven. So that's it was a long my day. whole day. <laughs> so I would definitely recommend. I think it would be much better if we did the oral one day and then the flying the next. And um, you know, I always heard that if your oral's that long, like you did something wrong. But no, these guys uh, were just that thorough. I was on top of everything, but it was just a long, exhausting day. Um, that turned into two days. <laughs> you know, I hear that a lot. People say if your oral's that long, that's not true. There's a lot of examiners out there that like to do an eight-hour oral exam. So, um, you know, that that doesn't mean anything. I mean, don't feel bad if you keep going because uh, that is the, the CFI is incredibly important because you're you're forming our next generation of pilots, and it's it's one of the most important ratings out there because. The, the person who's the flight instructor at the airport is truly one of the most important people out there. They're the ones that you go to for advice. They're the people that you turn to when you have questions. And it's, it's a big challenge for you. It's also a great responsibility, which means this. You're constantly learning. I mean, you know, Victoria, I'm sure you feel that way, too. There's there's even and you just got your CFI. There's more that you can learn, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And, you know, everyone... Um that goes out and does this. It's kind of funny. You take your CFI check ride, you become a flight instructor. You can start instructing a zero time student the very next day after your check ride. And that's, what's kind of overwhelming to me. Like here I am training, 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 take the test. Okay. Now I can go train a student from zero time. And I feel like I almost would feel more comfortable if I had like an apprenticeship leading up to that. Like I need to do like, how a teacher does student teaching first. Um, There is no student teaching. Once you're a CFI, once you take that check ride, you have a huge responsibility on your shoulders. So, um, you know, a CFI is not just a way to gain hours and a way to teach others. It is a huge responsibility. Your ticket is on the line when you instruct people. Other people's lives are on the line, you know, if you sign them off for a solo. So it's, a lot of fun and very rewarding, but it is a huge responsibility. And it, it's your responsibility for the rest of their, their lives. I mean, you you could get a phone call 10 years later about a student, and it happens. Um, so you make sure you, you keep good records and, and realize that, how important that is. As far as the, the student teaching, one thing that, and, and I remember vividly when I started as an instructor, Having a program like a syllabus, I was using the Jeppesen book, really helped me as a new instructor. I will say one thing is that I had a lot of uh, sleepless nights because every single lesson I was really trying hard to do my best. Now I'm at the point where certain types of lessons I have a you know kind of a, a can talk for that lesson, and I'm I you know have a lot more depth and knowledge that I didn't have back then. But one thing that school did, and what I do in uh, continually, is I have a mentor 
and we have a mentorship program. So a new instructor always has somebody that they can go to as their mentor. It could be the chief instructor. It could be some other more experienced instructor. And that, I think, is a really important thing to do as an individual is to go to somebody and say, hey, can you be my mentor? Can you be somebody I can go to with questions? We do this at the airlines. Uh, you know, the first year you're in an airline, you have like a, a mentor that, that follows you through your first year to see how you're doing, if you have any questions, because there's so many questions. I think it's very important to do that as an instructor. But Victoria, you have a lot of that where you are at the airport. That's for sure. It seems like you have a whole bunch of people that can help mentor you. I do. And I actually texted my CFI yesterday because I'm going to get um, a coworker is a private pilot, but she hasn't flown in maybe 15, 20 years. I'm getting her current starting Saturday. So I kind of already messaged my CFI like, here's what's happening. You know, what's a good course of action you'd recommend? And we worked it over. So it's really nice to have a resource to go to someone with all that experience before I hop in this plane and try to, you know, put my wisdom on them <laughs> yeah so victoria i was I was sitting here listening to you and and uh you know was just kind of reminiscing myself my uh, cfi check ride was the same way the oral was eight hours and then there was another five hours worth of flying afterwards in two different airplanes and it was by the end of that 13 hour day i was wiped out but completed it all in one day um, wow so it, it's 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 common it, it's from what i understand it's common to do that and i i've actually signed off a couple of cfis that that went through similar um experiences when when they got their their ticket as well um you know the like i said doing this was probably one of the hardest things that i've ever done and you know i hope that you get to find uh, the the um the joy that comes in that of, of teaching other students how to fly and, and uh, who knows, maybe the day will come where you do take on a primary student because like one of the f um, other hardest things was was that first sign-off I ever did for a solo. It's it's like, I don't know, letting a kid out of the nest or something like that. It's just the, I sat on the edge of this runway, signed this kid off and off he went and he went and flew this airplane by himself and I was scared to death for him, you know. I mean, it all worked out great, but I mean, that, that feeling, that very first time that I did that, it was like, uh-oh, it's all right here, right now on that one signature I put down. And that's what I heard you talking about, is about the immense responsibility that we take on as CFIs. And uh, welcome to the club. Oh, thank you. I will have a stress ball that I will be holding on the side of that runway. <laughs> I know I will. <laughs> Well, the cool thing is you have Tom you can talk to, me, and there's so many other instructors here at the podcast and all throughout that want to help help you succeed. I think we want to help all flight instructors succeed. I think it's really cool. Yeah. It, it'll be a stress ball and the, uh, the two-way radio. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I tell you that. Victoria, this has really been cool uh, watching you move forward in your career and watching you move forward with the CFI. Like I said, you've really inspired a lot of folks because of doing this and we're watching you, et cetera. Uh, and I think that's cool that you, you put stuff out there on, on LinkedIn and also on Instagram. And uh, it, it actually, a lot of those times, and it's something simple. I saw you hugging the airplane the other day and I thought that was like so <laughs> cool. Uh, it actually kind of made me smile and say, hey, yeah, I want to get out of my airplane and go fly now. And uh, it's like, gosh, you know, I, I need to go do that tomorrow. So that that was cool. And I think that we, that's what we need to do as instructors is keep inspiring people. Because there's a lot of instructors out there that are simply doing it just to build time. Uh, and there's those instructors that absolutely love teaching. And, and you're obviously one of those that loves to teach. And, and we need more of those instructors out there. As a matter of fact, if it's somebody who some people just want to be a ground instructor and not a flight instructor, and I think that's really a cool thing to do, and I would highly recommend doing that. But now that you have your CFI, uh, I think you said you want to take a little break from from studying. So, so now where are we going? I mean, is it uh, are are we in that path of okay? Now it's time to find some part time students and relax a little, enjoy it. Yeah, pretty much. I'm gonna. I I want to keep flying from the right seat. I really enjoy it. I have this long list of friends that I've always promised flights over time. So I'm going to work my way through that over the next few months and um, fly from the right and let them sit in the left seat. So I'm going to go through that list. And I, I really want to get my coworker who has just an, an immense love for aviation. I want to get her current again so she can fly. And we're bringing her uh, daughter up with us too. Um, so she's going to be my first little project. And um, 
we'll see who I take on from there. Unfortunately, it's winter, so the weather kind of sucks, and it's dark at 5 o'clock, so I can't do much after work. Um, I don't know if I want to do any 7.30 lessons anymore <laughs> after doing that all summer long. So um, I think in the spring and summer, I'm, you know, I, I'll definitely probably pick up because I know I'm going to enjoy it. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, that's cool. And so if you have somebody that's considering, you know, becoming a CFI, et cetera, there's one other thing I, I think we didn't talk about in something that you have experience with. Uh, and I had this question by two people today, interestingly enough. This, as a CFI, do I need to get insurance? Yeah, I would recommend it. Um, our best policy that we have at my office is through um, SAFE. Uh, it's safepilots.org, the Society of Aviation and Flight Educators. Um, they have a little app you can use um, that's really helpful to keep track of your students and stuff. And um, lots of educational resources. But what that... What that policy gets you, it's not only liability for bodily injury, property damage, or damage to that non-owned aircraft. The most important thing I think is, is protection against negligent instruction. So if you were to sign someone off for a solo and they were to, God forbid, crash and become injured, and they, um, if so, they were to sue you saying, hey, this is your fault, you gave me faulty instruction, that's when this policy would come into play. So that is, it's not that expensive. It's easy to find. <clears throat> and of course, you can go and re- reach out to you to find that. Uh, and it's definitely a good idea to have, even if your school has insurance, you need to have instructor insurance. And uh, it's a great thing, a great policy to have. It's not that expensive. Good idea. No, it can be as little as a uh, hundred and fifty bucks a year. If you think about a lawyer, can cost you five hundred dollars an hour. This is your defense, so I'd rather pay the hundred bucks than the five hundred. Um, but yeah, it depends on what kind of limits you select and stuff. I think the average price is around three hundred bucks a year, which is nothing in the long run for aviation. That's pretty cheap. So, how about the instructor that does it for free, like me, who just basically gives away their hours? Should I have insurance? You should, because even though you're giving away those hours and working for free, you still could potentially um, be sued for, you know, damage to an aircraft or property while instructing, or um, if they thought you didn't teach them right and were to sue you due to the result of a crash, um, you know, it's, it's coverage I would recommend. Good, and I think uh, I think it's a great great advice. We'll get back to some fun stuff though with the CFI and, and becoming a flight instructor. Really, really happy uh, to have you in the fold as an instructor, especially here at the Stuck Mike Avcast, and uh, can't wait to hear about your adventures. But if you're looking back at what you did as a CFI, if you were to give it some advice to somebody that's looking at getting their CFI, now that you've been through this process. Is there is there one thing or maybe a couple things that the, you could glean as advice to those people that are getting started on their CFI, like what they should do, how they should study, or anything like that? Um, preparation is key. If you go to that check ride, not confident, not prepared, not over prepared, it'll just eat you alive. And um, Get your resources from anyone possible, like practice, practice on other flight instructors, practice on your friends that know nothing about aviation, because when you do that, you're going to be shocked at the questions they ask you that you didn't think of. So it's really nice to um, practice on someone who knows absolutely nothing, um, because then you know how to explain things, um, break them down more so they're understandable, and then use all resources available, like YouTube has tons of videos. I watched all kinds of flight instructors on YouTube to see how they taught and described stuff. I read different books. I went, you know, flying with other various instructors to see their styles and how they taught certain concepts. So there's so much information we have available to us and just just absorb it all in all the different angles, just proper preparation. That's some great advice, and we're going to ask for more in the future. And uh, once again, Victoria, thanks for doing this, and thanks for sharing your journey and being an inspiration to myself and, and many of those aviators out there. Can't wait to, to hear more about, about your adventures, that's for sure. Oh, definitely. Thanks for letting me share. And 
as I said, I don't feel like an inspiration, but I'm happy that, you know, if my crazy journey has helped others, then it's all definitely worthwhile. Well, definitely keep up the Instagram posts. I do hear from people saying that they think those are really cool. So, I mean, (laughs) and they do, they inspire me too. Sometimes if I'm down, I see a picture of an airplane. It helps me get through the day. Have Uh, you hugged an airplane today? (laughs) Well, actually, I was about to go out and hug one. Uh, But uh, yeah, I I think I'll wait till the sun comes up. It's cold here. It's like 60 degrees. Oh, shut up. It's 20 something (laughs) here right now. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, that's one thing, too, is during certain seasons, you don't get to instruct as much. And that's the time that, you you know, you really start get, doing the book work. Sometimes you can't get out because of snowstorms, but but just keep in it. And I think that's what's really cool. Victoria, you've been been keeping with it. And I hope other people will find inspiration because of you. And they have. And if you're listening right now and you're thinking about maybe becoming an instructor, hopefully this has inspired you. Maybe just pull up the book online. It's free from the FAA. I'll have a link to it, the Aviation Instructor's Handbook. Start seeing what instructors do. Maybe you want to become a teacher. Maybe you want to be a teacher of flight. And somebody who wants to possibly do some ground school instruction, that's a great way to get introduced to it and move on from there. But I, I really hope that this, this story, Victoria's story about being a CFI, and you've heard from us talking about the wonderful things we get to do with the students and the fact that she's going to be imparting knowledge. We all are imparting knowledge amongst all the different aviators out there. It's something that is really rewarding, and I really encourage you, if you're sitting there on the fence, hey, should I become a CFI, I, I think you should try it. I think you should look towards it, at least get the manuals and start thinking about it. But really, you know, get out there and fly. Get out there and have fun. Uh, and, and if you're learning and you have your instructor next to you tomorrow, kind of think about what we talked about here today, all those things that that instructor had to go through, like we discussed, and maybe you'll have a better appreciation for, for your CFI by listening to this. But either way, if you have any questions on being a CFI, any comments, please send us an email contact at stuckmygavcast.com. Also go to our Facebook page and check out some of our newer videos out there on YouTube. But, but make sure you do something that's really fun. Get out there and fly because that's what we want to do. We want to encourage you to get out there and enjoy flying. Well, folks, we'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. And I, we can't wait to hear your stories. And we can't wait to hear more stories from Victoria. Talk to you next episode. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Abcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production. Thank you.